churches. All right, First Peter, speaking of a living hope. I want to get, get you guys, I think we're going to have a neat series coming up. The Lord's been kind of working in my heart, and I think we'll uh, hopefully we can reveal a little more of that next week, but hopefully especially engage our young people as well. So be looking forward to that. But today we're going to look at a living hope. Next Sunday we're going to look at state of the church and kind of see where we're going to go, Lord willing, in 2021. Today I was, uh, for those of you who kind of don't know Robert's story, I'm going to share a little bit of it. Hopefully he won't be too embarrassed. He's does online today. I'll try not to go into too much detail. But Robert, uh, when he came to our church, he's been such a faithful person. Like for me, who's a teaching person, Robert would be here on Wednesday night. He would be here for Sunday school. He'd be here Sunday morning, almost never miss. And so then when COVID hit, um, Robert has some different conditions that makes him susceptible to this. And so he's like, I need to stay home. And we all got that. We all that made sense to us. That also meant that his family needed to stay home. So Leah and Andrew and Amanda, people that we love to see all the time, we've had to be distanced from them. And so this was probably what last March that this started. And Robert, I think there was at one point, I think he went almost 90 days without being out of his house. And the only reason Robert's been out of his house is to see the doctor. Now, everybody in here, we've all been out and about, right? But that is not, was not his pattern. So he had made a decision to make the sacrifice to hopefully, you know, for his health. And then the vaccine came out, and I spoke to Robert about two weeks ago, and, like, he was doing pretty good. And I'm like, he's just waiting for it to get down to that 65 threshold, and he'll get his shots, and we're on the ready to go, right? <laughs> and then this week, when we got the news that Robert tested positive, it was just like, for me. I was just crushed. I'm like, here is somebody who has been so faithful, who's worked so hard all this time, and now this has happened. Have any of you ever felt like that in your own life? I've tried to do the right thing. I've tried to do it over and over. I've tried to be consistent, and here comes something to me. Why is this happening, right? And that was the challenge on my heart this week. So I've been praying for Robert like crazy. I know you guys have as well. And he's doing really good so far. So hopefully the Lord will continue to bless there in that situation. But as I thought about that, I was like, oh man, this is definitely a picture of trial. And then it also reminded me of where is my hope really? And this has been on my heart a lot lately. Where is your hope really? What do you really, really care about? Is it comfort? Is it your little... Uh, your real happy place? Where's your happy place at? Wendy and I, our happy place, if you guys have ever seen pictures of our house or ever been to our house, we have one of those couches like a big L couch. And if Wendy has her spot and I have my spot and Chief has his spot and it's warm, we are all in our happy place. <laughs> and sometimes, Chief is our dog, by the way. Sometimes we, uh, we would treasure that maybe more than we should be because it, that's what we really love is that nice, happy, comfort place. And this is a reminder today to me. It's like, well, wait a minute. What do I really, really care about? What should I really care about? And I think we're going to see that in this passage. Okay. What makes home home for you? What's home for you? Like if you were going to go home, what makes home home for you? Like I was at home this weekend. I, one of my friends, his dad passed away. And so I went to a visitation. But Friday night and, and Saturday, I was home, right? What is home for Travis? 
A home for me is I walk in, well, first I drive in, I have a key to the door. I'm almost 50 years old and I still have a key to my parents' house and it still works. <laughs> and they live, I live hours away. I walk upstairs, home for me is when I open this same cabinet, the cabinet where all the kids have had their height measured for the last whatever, however many years, a long time. <laughs> when I open that door, I know it's going to be stocked with chips. That's one of my favorite things, right? That's home for me. Home for me is the upstairs couch and grandma and grandpa and having debates and arguments and talks when we're there. Home for me is getting in a boat with grandpa and going drop and crappie jigs when it's 12 degrees outside and we were fishing Saturday morning. Home for me is those memories and those things, right? What, what makes home home for you? Is it a, is it a favorite pet? Is it a little quirk you've grown to love? Maybe it's neighbors that you're really close with or it's certain people, certain friends or family. Like as long as you're with those people, that would always be home for you. But I want to remind you today, this morning, if you are a believer, here's the thing. Here, listen up. <laughs> you're not home yet. That's kind of tough, isn't it, right? No, preacher, I'm home. When I got my TV on and my fireplace going, I'm on the couch, my dog's right there, my belly's full, I'm home. And what I'm telling you this morning is you're not home yet. And I'm afraid sometimes we get a little too comfortable in a place that isn't home. And I want you to hear the Lord speak to our hearts this morning. All right, let's look again. Verse 3, we're going to see a living hope. A living hope. Peter writes, he says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. God's mercy... Again, we don't deserve it, but God's mercy grants us change in our hearts. His kindness saves us. That new birth, the becoming of a Christian, isn't about changing a bad habit or saying a prayer or even being baptized. So proud of my boys this morning in Sunday school. David's like, well, just because you pray, read your Bible, doesn't mean you're right with God. <laughs> it's like, yep, you got it. He's being taught well, isn't he, right? But that change of heart that's brought about through Jesus is what means that we are redeemed and we're part of the hope that is to come. When God changes us, he brings us hope, a real hope and a hope that is alive. And what I challenge you with today, and I don't think we share this enough, it's a hope for now. All right. Sometimes we think of hope in heaven and well, that means one day there's going to be something good down the road. One day, this is not going to be a problem for anymore. One day, this is going to be good. But the hope we're talking about right now, when a person becomes a Christian, it invades their life the moment they repent of their sins and trust Jesus. I have something in me right now that's filling me with life and joy, even though heaven is still maybe distant away. And that's what we have to share with our friends and our family. Often the hopes that we have are based on the reality that we know, right? This makes sense. Maybe you have a hope of reuniting with a lost loved one, or maybe your hope is based on the fact that you know things about a specific person. Uh, maybe during Christmas time, we hope about getting presents. And our hope is based on what we've seen in the past, right? Hope is based on the reality we know. But here I want to challenge you this morning. The hope of real life is based upon the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Preacher, how can you know that there's heaven? 
How can you know that there's something better? How can you know that there's something good for you right now? I can know it because Jesus is not in the tomb still. Amen? The reason we celebrate on Sundays, the reason we come to church on Sundays, it's a resurrection day. So if you guys would be mindful of this fact, we have more proof for the resurrection of Jesus than any other historical event. You want to read a guy by the name of Josh McDowell? He lays it out super well. There's more evidence for the resurrection than any other historical event. And that's even from a natural perspective, not alone from a spiritual perspective. We know what is to come because Jesus is no longer dead. And that's exactly what Peter tells the church at this time. It's a reminder to them that they're not home yet. Because of what God did in his raising his son, we have hope that he will carry through on his word. Again, in Sunday school, we're doing Abraham this morning. Abraham, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And I will bless all the families of the earth through you. Four promises that we saw in Genesis chapter 12. Did God keep those promises? Yeah. We were looking at populations. There was about, uh, I think we thought there was 9 million people in Israel. And that's not counting all the Israelites and Jewish people of the world. Where did they have their beginning? Abraham, right? There are three major religions in the world, right? There's a Jewish religion, there is Islam, and there's Christianity. They all back, they end up back at one common spot. Who's the common spot? Abraham, <laughs> right? Um, and when people would honor uh, the descendants of Abraham, did God bless them? Yes. And when people decided to disrespect, this was David's word was so good, disrespect uh, God's people, guess what happened to those people? God disrespected them. And then God blessed the whole earth through who? Through Jesus. So as simple as it is for our Sunday school class this morning, it applies to all of us today. Does God keep his promises? You better believe it. Every single one. He always does. He always will. We see it here again. Let me read you from Hebrews chapter 11. You can follow along here if you would. Just a reminder again of God's promises, and they're founded on the truth of the resurrection. By faith, Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. If I said today, uh, I need you to do something for me, right? Here's what I need you to do. Casey, I need you to leave your house. I need you to leave your state and your country. I want you to go to a foreign country. I'm going to send you somewhere where you don't know the language and you may not even like the food. I'm not going to tell you which country you're going to go to yet, but I'm going to tell you when you start to leave. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> Casey's so good, let me pick on her. Right? <sighs> right? Megan, how you feel about that? You're going to go to a different place, uh, but as soon as you start to leave, I'll let you know where you're going. Is there anybody here who really is not too fond of other foods and other languages? <laughs> Diane's like, I'll stay right where I'm at, God, right? Amen? Now, you know how your preacher is, like, man, send me to lots of places. I love to explore and to see new things, try new foods, learn new languages, hear the different dialects. Oh, I'm all about that. But some of us, that's not our thing. I wonder what Abraham's was, right? 
Do you see what the deal was here? When God said to Abraham, he said, I need you to leave your kindred, your family. I need you to leave your country. And I want you to go to a place where I will show you. But I'm not giving you the details right now. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. In this situation this week, God has not given us details. Right? You don't know how it's all going to end up. I, I love these twins so much. And I can't wait to see what God ends up doing with their story in their life. But we don't know how it's going to end up. And that causes us some worry and some fear sometimes. Right? Maybe you have a job situation this week, or you have a, a relationship with a friend or a family member. You don't know how it's going to end, and that's causing some anxiety or some fear in you. Abraham didn't know either, but he trusted God, and God kept his promises. He always does. He always does. So look at this verses here. Look at his promises again. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Look down at verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He wasn't home yet. Look down at verse 13. All these people, all these people of faith, were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for what? A better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That couch and that fireplace and the puppy beside you may feel pretty good, but it doesn't hold a candle to what God has in store for those he loves. We need to turn our hearts and our minds and our thoughts to that heavenly country and let our decisions here and now be based on what we know if God has in store for those who obey him and seek his face. He always keeps his promises. Real quick, let's look at that inheritance. What a wonderful inheritance awaits the believer. Never perish, never spoil, never fade. Can you imagine something that never perishes, spoils, or fades? Well, usually we think of those as MREs, right? <laughs> you guys know those are? That's like military food. You can keep those for like 30, 40 years, right? Like usually you don't want to eat that. But think about this for a second. Would it be pretty awesome if you had uh, food that was always delicious and never went bad? How does that work? What happens to your clothes if you let them sit around for a while? Right? The old days, they would have to have mothballs and things like that. Now, it depends what they're made out of and that kind of thing, right? What do you think about things that would never perish, never spoil, and never fade? What happens to your cars? And it's probably going to happen even worse after this morning. My dad has this really nice uh, truck. I like his truck. But all over the fenders now, it's all getting bumped and rusted and whatever, right? Because it perishes. It, it fades, right? The things that we have and the things that we invest in over time, what happens to them, right? This beautiful facility, what do you have to do with it? You have to maintain it, right? Oh. If anybody wants to do light bulbs, we're still looking for someone, <laughs> right? It, when you first get it all together, and you put it all up and you're like, oh, this is amazing, but it, it needs maintaining. What we see in heaven is the things that we sometimes work so hard that they wouldn't perish, they wouldn't spoil, they wouldn't fade, that they don't with the Lord. 
The inheritance that God has in store isn't money. It's not a house or a car or some fancy clothes or jewelry. It is life, real life, eternal life, and that life that never perishes, spoils, or fades. And it awaits those who have placed their faith in Christ's work, in those who have experienced the power of the resurrection in their lives. This body is going to decay, but that heavenly body, it is not. Amen? Right? This spirit gets broken and hurt and torn down and concerned and anxious, but that heavenly one is going to be full of joy and life because it's going to be what it was meant to be from the beginning. That is what in store for those who know and love the Lord. That's the promise this morning. Again, God keeps his promises. We invest most of our lives into things that perish and spoil and fade. Think of your own budget this morning. How much of your money goes into your house or your car? (laughs) Why'd you bring that up, preacher? I don't want to think about that. How much of your money goes into your food? How much of stuff, money goes into stuff that will eventually perish and spoil or fade? Right? So yesterday, we're in the truck, and... Dad's like, you need to close that door. I'm trying to light. He had these old hand warmers. They must have been from like 1950. I don't know. <laughs> he had these old sticks. I don't think they'd been pulled out in 30 years. He's trying to light. Close the door. So I'm sitting in the truck and I close the door and it's like, close the door. My phone falls at the same time the door closed. I close the door and what happens? <sighs> you guys, I've had a really good tracker. I don't think I've ever actually cracked an iPhone screen since I've had iPhones. Oh, man. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And what did that do to me? I've invested all this stuff, all this time. I've been this good for so long. And I'm putting my hope in something that perishes, spoils, and fades. You do the same thing, don't you? Right? Maybe you don't get as upset about a phone as a preacher does, but it kind of shows our humanity, doesn't it, right? What is in store for us if we will invest in those things that really matter, that really count? What if I told you today that you could invest your time into something that doesn't perish, something that doesn't spoil, something that's eternal? You could invest your time in something that really matters. It's a life that God is promising for those who believe. The scripture says it is reserved in heaven for you. Does God know how to keep a reservation? You better believe he does, right? For the believer, it is reserved. You can count on the fact that God keeps his reservations. It is kept by faith. I challenge you this morning, that's the us part of the equation, right? We have the responsibility of trusting in the Lord. But it is also kept, Peter says, by God's power. And that's the him part of the equation. As we remain in Christ, he shields us and protects us and shapes us into what we need to be until he comes at his time. All of these things will be revealed. Now, there's the last part we want to talk about this morning that to me is the hard part, and that's the trials. Because we like to think that everybody who loves and believes is going to have an easy life. But even Peter makes this really clear to the church. Look down, if you would, there uh, in verse 6, I believe. In this you greatly rejoice. We do, don't we? Right? Even this morning we're saying amen as we think about things that don't perish, spoil, or fade. As we think about a living hope that is real because that Jesus is raised from the dead. We rejoice in those things greatly. Right now we rejoice. But then he reminds us, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer. And you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. This is not new to the church. Verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine 
and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter tells us here, reminds us here that grief comes. Can you guys share that with each other this morning? You know that, right? Uh, I'm still trying to figure this out with my young people, how to help them with that. That's a hard concept. When you're a Christian, you like to think everything's going to be good. But grief comes, doesn't it? And it's hard. Even with my mom and dad, we were talking about this. Like, I remember some people at my church family back in Illinois that uh, I remember Rita. And Rita lost her husband, Tom Johnson. He had cancer. He actually, they told him he'd have six months to live, and he lived for a little over seven years. <laughs> so he beat it really well. But whenever Tom passed away, I felt so bad for Rita. But about three or four days later, I was still praying for her. But, you know, I was still laughing and playing and doing my normal things. And Rita was like her whole world had shut down. Right? And then it was a couple years later that my nephew, Miles, he died. And when Miles died, my whole world shut down. And about three or four days later, Everybody else was, they were watching football and they were cheering on the Illini and they were having parties. And I'm like, don't you know how bad this is? How can you do this? Don't you know the grief I know? And then it kind of washed all over me. And I, like, I went back to Rita and I went back to Wanda, another lady at our church who had lost. And I said, I, I don't know exactly what you went through, but now I know a whole lot more of what you were going through when, when everything hit. And I just want to say, I'm so sorry and I love you. And grief comes, doesn't it, right? And here's this passage today. Grief comes, but what is it meant to do? Is everybody following the scripture with me this morning, right? Gold, anybody like a little gold? Again, I pulled up the numbers. The boys love to Google things. We Googled the price of gold last week, I think, and it was like for an ounce. I think it was like 1,800 bucks. They're like, whoa, <laughs> just an ounce is $1,800, right? Let's, let's get into that, right? Gold perishes. That's what Peter says. But your faith does not. And what we do to make gold pure, what do we do it? Do to it. We put it in the fire, right? What does God do to make your faith pure? He takes you through grief. I don't like that, do you? <laughs> I don't like the fire. Lord, don't you have a different way? Even Jesus said that, right? Lord, isn't there a different way than me going? But what did he finally end up saying? Not my will, but thine be done. And God used that to make his name great and to change the world. Today, Peter's reminding us that sometimes you're going to go through grief and we need to submit ourselves to the Lord's working in our lives. Like the refining of gold and the removal of dross, suffering is refining the believer so that their life will ultimately be about his glory. If you know the preacher, you know what he says, right? Hallowed be thy name. That's how I end my prayers. That's what I think our life should be about. If we will be about glorifying God, he is about filling us with his joy. And if you look in this passage, it's kind of what it says again, right? Did you catch that? Anybody remember the old hymn, with joy unspeakable and full of glory? It's joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. You sing that all over and over. You know where that comes from, right? I hear 1 Peter chapter 1. If we will humble ourselves to the Lord's work in our life. Sometimes it's happy and fun, and sometimes it's super fulfilling, and sometimes it's grief and it's hard work. But if we will humble ourselves to the Lord's work in our life, 
for the hallowing of his name, he will fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's a promise here in this passage, all right? This is so that God's name will be hallowed. It takes faith to love someone whom you have not seen, yet this is what it is for the believer, because we know the love of Jesus is real. We know the joy he brings is real. If you've been changed, you know what it's like, and you wouldn't trade it for the world. Amen? I'm serious today. I'm as serious as I can be. Go ahead and take my van, take my house. I hate to even say this, but take my dog. I love my dog. (laughs) But you can take all my stuff. You can take my my cracked iPhone. (laughs) You can take everything that I have. As long as I can keep hold of my faith in Christ, that's enough. It's enough. That's what I need. That's what I need most of all. That's where home is for me. If you are trusting in Christ today, you are filled with an inexpressible joy, a glorious joy, because God is saving you, and he's bringing you towards resurrection. Again, you're not home yet, but almost, because the Lord is walking with you. I think I know most of you in the room, but again, just a reminder, if you don't know Christ today, it's really easy to get to know him. It starts with a simple step of faith of repentance, saying, God, I'm sorry for the mess I am. Will you come in my heart? I give you my life. Will you transform me, Jesus? I accept what you did for me on the cross. And if you do that with humility, with God's spirit entering your heart, he transforms you and he begins this great work. That's it. Gospel. So this morning, I want to end up with these thoughts today. Where's home for you? Are you more concerned about making your home here, or are you more concerned about making your home in heaven? That's a conviction for me this morning. Second thing today, how are you handling the trials that are coming your way? When the trials come, are you just frustrated and angry, and you just blame everything on everybody else? Are you trying to humble yourself to the Lord and see what an opportunity it is when trials come for you to grow in him? Are you allowing God to refine you through the fire? Again, we're not home yet. This final illustration, it should be familiar to some of you, but it's just such a good story. I wanted to share it again. In January of 2000, uh, leaders of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, they invited their favorite son, his name's Billy Graham, to a luncheon. Billy, initially hesitant to accept the invitation because he struggles with Parkinson's disease, uh, but the Charlotte leader said, we don't expect a major address, just come, let on you, green. After wonderful things were said about him, Graham stepped up to the podium. He looked at the crowd and he said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist who uh, this month was honored by Time Magazine as the man of the century. He said, Billy Graham said, Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle, punching tickets of each of the passengers. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached up Uh, Einstein reached in his vest pocket, but he couldn't find his ticket. So he reached in the other pocket, and it wasn't there either. So he looked in the briefcase, but he couldn't find it there. He looked in the seat by him, and he couldn't find it. And the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. So Einstein nodded appreciatively. Well, the conductor came down the aisle punching tickets, and as he was ready to move the next car, He turned around and he saw the great physicist down on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. So the conductor rushed back and he said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. Well, Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. 
<laughs> Billy Graham continued, see the suit I'm wearing today? It's a brand new suit. My wife, my children, my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slovenly in my old age. It used to be more f- fastidious. So I went out and bought a new suit for the luncheon and one more occasion. You know what that occasion is? This is the suit which I'll be buried. But when you hear I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. What I want you to remember this. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. Amen? You guys, today, a reminder that this is not our home. And it's okay to cherish and love things as we recognize them as gifts from God, but don't worship them. We're not there yet. Today, trials will come, and they are coming. But if we'll humble ourselves and see them as gold being refined in the fire, God is working in us to make his name great and to fill us with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's go ahead and take a little time to pray today and let's ask God to uh, ferment this word that he's put into our hearts. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you with your words today, speaking to us and challenging us. And Lord, so many today have already shared in prayer time uh, some grieving, some trials, some suffering that's coming their way. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak uh, to their hearts this morning, to my heart this morning. Again, remind us of what home is and let our spirit and our hope really be in you and not in things and stuff. And Lord, help us to give those concerns and worries and fears. Help us to give them to you. Even this morning, Lord, let us give them to you. Lord, that you would make your name great in those trials. And Lord, that you would use them to develop in us what we need to be, that we would be filled with an inexpressible joy. Lord, for our brothers and sisters today that are just facing difficulty, we ask for your strength for them. And Lord, for people that don't know you and people that when they face grief and trials, Lord, that their pain is so great because they don't know you. Lord, would you help us to share a simple gospel message with them that if they would repent, that they would humble themselves and surrender their lives, that you would come in and you would be joy for them. Please, dear God, help us this week to share that with people that we know and that we love. Lord, we ask you to go with us out of this place, that you would carry us out, that you would go before us, that we would feed on your strength, or we wouldn't just try to be good on our own, but Lord, that we would be uh, being shaped and molded and chiseled by you even this week. Again, Lord, that all these things would result to the hallowing of your name. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys, thank you again so much for being here today. A few announcements. Let's work our way through these just a little bit. Um, Next Sunday would normally be our big chili cook-off, but because of our situation, we're not doing that this year. So Lord willing, later in the year, maybe we'll be able to have some more picnics and potlucks and things like that. But we will be moving our state of the church to the Sunday morning address. So I will have a kind of sermon and state of the church all put together uh, next Sunday. So if you kind of want to come and see what we've done the past year, what we're going to do for the next year, uh, please come. It's a good Sunday to invite people, all right? Because a lot of times people like to come and see what's going on and how things are happening. If you know someone that might be interested, invite them next Sunday uh, to come and to see what direction we're headed. Uh, We're going to continue in the book of Matthew on Wednesday nights. So those of you that want to Zoom We'll do that. Again, we'll be also face-to-face for those of you that want to come here as well to the church, 7 o'clock this Wednesday. Um, then we have uh, coming up, let's see here, what is next? I think that's about it. Anybody else got any other announcements? Go ahead, Rick. Oh, yes. 
Yes. Okay. Amen. Okay. So if you'd like to help out the adult Sunday school class, help out Vicky's uh, friend there, we pray that you would follow the Lord leading that. And last Sunday was when they'll get the collection. Uh, all you men that are interested on February the 20th, it's a Saturday, they're doing the one-day men's retreat up at one of our northern churches. So I'm going to take a crew, whoever come with me. I think Jeff's going to go with me if he can. I think Michael's supposed to be going that day as well to kind of share a little bit about SoulCon. And if you, any other guys want to join along, uh, let me know. I'll be down here to, to grab up some people and we'll head up north a little bit. But I'll be glad to take who would ever like to go. Uh, should be a good day of fellowship on the 20th of February. Also continue to remember our normal patterns of things. Um, our homeless ministry and appreciate uh, different people sharing about that. And so keep that going. We'll have some more information about human trafficking, how we can help about that next week. Is there any other announcements? You know how the preacher is. I just feel like there's something missing, but I'll remember when you all go home. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Um, just remember that there are other people besides you that are facing trials and grief and love on them this week. Let them know you care about them and pray for God to fill them with joy too. All right. Let's be dismissed in prayer this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Todd Fields if he would. Brother Todd, would you dismiss us in prayer, please?